the, uh, the best sermons aren't preached, they're lived out and they're seen, and we've already gotten to see a pretty good sermon take place today. So Nick and Julie, uh, thanks for living out your message in front of us that we get to be a part of just by watching it. And I'll go Dan, Dan's uh, statements just about if you're newer around here. Hopefully what you just saw is that we really believe that who we are as a church uh, isn't a person, isn't, isn't a building, isn't a video that we're watching online, but it's a, it's a family that we get to be a part of, a story that God is writing, a story of him putting his love on display to our world. And what I would want you to know if you're newer around here like Dan and myself and many others is there's room in this story for you. So hope you can be here next week for our first steps experience, not next steps. I know, it's only seven weeks. You've been here seven weeks. We'll get into first steps where we can learn how you can, uh, where you can learn how you can take your first steps around here. Another great way to get connected around here is something called um, Summer Nights. We've got one more Summer Nights coming up, the official last week of summer, um, where you can come, get to meet some new friends, uh, hang out with some old friends for a great time for the whole family as we head into fall. Actually, it was one of the first Summer Nights that we had this summer that my family had just moved into town. And we figured, you know what, we'll take advantage of the Summer Nights event just to have some fun and especially to get to know many other Heartlanders. And so I was standing at one point in line at one of the food trucks, one of the best barbecue nachos I think I've, I've ever had. And um, I was standing in line and it was hopping. There was probably 40, 50 people or so standing in this line. Many of you were in that line with me too. So great opportunity just to get to know several of you. I get to the front and I order food for my family. There's moments when I forget that my wife and I had four kids and how expensive it is to feed four kids. And food trucks aren't always the cheapest option. By the way, this next summer nights, dinner's on us. So we're pulling out the grills, we're cooking hot dogs, flipping burgers, uh, so dinner is on us, so come on out, we're going to remove that, uh, that obstacle for anyone. Um, so I get up there and we order dinner, and I hear the total, I'm like, okay, that's right, we have a family of six. And then the moment happens, when the food truck worker turns the iPad my way to complete the transaction. You know where I'm going with this, right? And it asks me if I want a tip, okay? And now normally this would not be that much of an issue, but the iPad is sitting about 10 to 12 inches above my head. And all 50 of you that I just got to be really good friends with are standing behind me in line wondering what Heartland's new pastor is going to do. 10%, 15%, 20%, other. And I know you want to know what I what I tip, but it's none of your business what I tipped, okay? So you can just, don't worry about that. But what I was faced with in that moment was that this reminder, this reality that I am not nearly as generous a person as I like to think I am. That I'm not nearly as generous as I wish I would be or could be. Anyone else, anyone else ever feel like that? You feel that way? Yeah, I think it goes, I think it goes for all of us. I think we all wish that we were more generous than we actually are in reality. And so um, let me welcome you back to the series that we've been in, that we've been going through called Ancient Paths, Finding Your Way with Jesus. And during this series, we've been talking about some of the practices, the paths that God gives us that we can walk. And as we do, we get to know God in a deeper way. We get to deepen our relationship with him and we get to move forward in that relationship with him. As Dan said last week, these are the paths that God has blazed toward us that we get to walk back to him, and we've been talking about the path of scripture and prayer and uh, community, and we'll be talking about Sabbath and lots of different things, but we also, today, we're going to be talking about the path of generosity. And if, as I said that word, something in you tightened up, <laughs> uh, I get it. 
right? We all get it. Generosity is not an easy thing to talk about. Anything that has anything to do with uh, money or finances in any way, and generosity definitely does. How, it, it's something that kind of can rub us the wrong way, that can cause us to hold our breath a little bit, especially in church. Because churches, I'll own it, churches have a history of talking about generosity and finances and money in the worst possible ways. And we've all got some scars and some baggage from that, all right? We, we understand that. And, and, and so we, we get that. But let me set you at ease. There's no pledge card under your seat. There's no appeal at the end of this message. I don't know when the last time Heartland passed an offering plate was. Uh, Mac, Mac, did we at one point? This is the beginning. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, um, so, and if you're wondering, I was meeting one of my new neighbors a few, a few weeks ago and I was telling him about the church I was at. He's like, oh yeah, Heartland, I want, right. He's like, that's the church that doesn't take an offering. I was like, that's what you know about us. That's great. Uh, and he thought I was so kind of struck by it. No, we just, uh, sometimes you might wonder, do we just forget about it? Maybe ever, we might forget about that. But um, no, it's, it's actually, we really value hospitality here at Heartland. And we feel like none of you would invite anyone else into your home and put a plate in front of you asking for money. Um, and so we don't want to do the same thing to you. And we do value generosity and giving. We just uh, encourage it among those who have decided to make Heartland their home. And say, hey, I want to be a part of helping this community, this story, this mission happen. In case you're ever wondering why we do or why we don't do what other churches might do. Um, So as we were planning this series and we're coming up with these different topics and practices, we just couldn't shake this one. Despite the discomfort of it, despite even the, what today, you know, the significance of today and, and, and all that we've celebrated already, we said we cannot be the Jesus first people that we believe God calls us to be if we don't talk about generosity, if we don't learn how to become the generous people, not only that we wish we were, but that God invites us to be. So, but here's the other thing. Let's be clear, generosity doesn't just have to do with money, okay? We can be generous, we should be generous with many things, not just money, but our time, generous with our presence, generous with our compassion, Generous with our, with our joy, generous with our worship, with our, with our prayers, generous with our, our grace and our forgiveness. In fact, right now, maybe just take a moment and think to yourself, maybe, maybe, maybe write it down, type it out on your phone if you want. What's one thing in your life that you wish you were more generous with? Just think about that to yourself. What's one thing in your life that you wish you were more generous with? And hold on to that. Keep that in mind as we, as we keep talking today. Now, what I have learned in my life is that there are things that keep me from being as generous as I would like to be. Any, number of those, any one of those things, whatever came to your mind, whether it was financial related or, or an attitude toward others, a gesture toward others of joy or compassion or mercy or whatever it is that God has, has invited you to be more generous with has put on your heart. There are things that get in the way that keep us from being as generous as we, as we want to be. And I, I'm just going to call those things generosity gaps. When there's a gap between how generous we are and how generous we wish we were, that gap right there, there's things that kind of keep us there, little, little gaps that we get stuck in. And there's a lot of them. But I just want to pinpoint three for us. There's the gap of scarcity, okay? That when, when we have an opportunity to be generous towards someone, that we immediately start to wonder, wait, do I have enough to be generous with? Right? We start kind of 
looking, uh, looking at what we do have, if you take the illustration of a cup of sugar, and I know it's silly. I know it's, it's silly. Who doesn't give away a cup of sugar? But if a neighbor comes over and asks you for a cup of sugar, this is when you say, wait, do I have enough sugar to give away? And so I kind of get, might get stuck in this gap of scarcity. Or, or what if they break my cup of sugar? Were they going to give it back? I need a plan for the week. Do I have enough for the week? You know, um, the gap of scarcity. Another, another gap we get stuck in is the gap of urgency. This is when we wonder, well, how urgent of a need is this? Because let's be honest, none of us are made of money and stuff. Everything's a limited supply. And we want to reserve it for those that most need it, right? And so is this an urgent enough thing that I want to be generous to? But then there's also the gap of merit, where we wonder, is this the kind of person I want to be generous with? Do they deserve my generosity? Now, I know none of you would think that. <laughs> this is what goes through my mind. These are the gaps that I live in. Maybe they live in you too. But, but I know there's going to come a day when I'm going to wish I was more generous than I actually am. I know I'm going to look back and I'm saying, you know what, I wish I, was, I, I had more faith. I, w- I wish I took more risks with my generosity. I, I wish I wasn't quite so selfish. I wish I had given away more and held on to less. And so every single day, I think that in some, in some way, we're living in these gaps. We're kind of stuck in these gaps of scarcity and urgency and merit, keeping us from being as generous as we wish that we were. And so what do we do with those gaps? How do we move out of them? How do we close the gap between how generous we are and how generous we wish we could be? And what I have been learning is that all of those gaps, all of those things that get in the way of our generosity really come from, from one thing. Maybe call it the gap of all gaps. You see, when there's a gap in my generosity to others, I think it's because there's a gap in my understanding of God's generosity to me. That feels like something maybe I should say again. That, that when there is a gap in my generosity to others, it's coming from a gap in my understanding of God's generosity to me. That, that, that I struggle to believe that God is as good and as giving, and as caring, and as loving, and as strong as he really is. And so Jesus knew this. In fact, one of the big reasons why Jesus came was so that we would know just how good and just how generous God is, that he was this great reveal of who God is. And in fact, in Matthew 6, if you want to flip there or turn on your Bibles, we're going to look at a few verses from Matthew 6. Uh, Matthew, who's one of Jesus' disciples, records what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus, it's recorded as if it was Jesus' first sermon. To be honest, we don't know if it was one sermon or a collection of sermons, kind of like Jesus' greatest hits that Matthew kind of compiles all together. What we do know is that in this sermon, the idea of how generous God is, is so important that Jesus hits it right on. And this is how he does so. Matthew 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Let's just pause there for a second. Do not worry. Now, I get floored, just fascinated. Anytime something that was written a couple millennia millennia ago, totally different time and place can resonate so deeply right here and now. Anyone struggling with worry lately? No worriers. (laughs) Anyone worrying about how much they worry? 
Maybe that's a fair question. Of course we are, y'all. Of course we're worrying. You know, we, we, we run off of worry like fuel. This time of year, sending kids off to school, dropping them off at school. What's going on in our world? What's going on in our world, your world? The, the, however much our air conditioner bill is going to be this month. I'm worried about that. But there, you just count whatever things you might be worried about. And just to be clear, in this passage, Jesus isn't talking about being thoughtfully and responsibly concerned about things. He's talking about outright worry. It's good to be concerned about things. It's good to be thoughtful about them. And Jesus is also talking about what's going on in your world, in you, in and around you. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. So let's talk about worry for a second. You see, worry is when whatever you are facing is bigger than God to you. Worry is when whatever you are facing is bigger than God to you. And you might wonder, well, what does this have to do with with generosity? Well, whenever we find ourselves starting to worry, then we take whatever we have and we hold on to it more tightly. And we kind of start to hunker down a little bit. And, And then those gaps that we talked about of urgency and scarcity and merit, those gaps actually get bigger for us and deeper and and higher. That's what happens when when worry happens. Now, just a few verses in this passage, if you look up a little bit, Jesus was talking about how the eyes are the lamp of the body. You think about what lamps do. Lamps help us see, they reveal things. They help us know how to navigate things. They help us see things as they truly are. That's what lamps do. And the eyes are the lamps of the body. So why was Jesus talking about the eyes being lamps and now he's talking about do not worry? I think he's making a connection for us that we have to be able to see. It says worry blindfolds us to God's generosity to us. That worry worry is a a blindfold. I had to sacrifice a t-shirt this morning for this illustration. But what, what worry does is it blinds us to God's generosity to us. It takes all the ways that God cares for us. No longer can we see it. It takes the way he protects us, gone. It takes his provision for us, all the things that the Bible tells us to be true about him, and no longer can we see those things. All that we can see is the memory of what it is that we're up against that makes it feel like things are so scarce and so fearful that all we can do is this right here. And Jesus is saying, don't live there. Don't worry. Don't take that posture in your life. And the great anecdote to worry, if worry is what keeps us from seeing how good and generous God is, look how Jesus unpacks the next verse. He says, look around you. The eyes are the lamp of the body. Don't worry. And now he says, look. He says, look at the birds of the air. You don't have to look far. He says, look at the birds of the air. He says, they don't toil, they don't labor. They don't sow, they don't reap. They don't gather in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. He says, take off your blindfold so that you can see how God is providing for the birds of the air. How will you ever see God's generosity if we're being blindfolded by worry? And then he says, aren't you more important than them? He's your father in heaven. He's not theirs. And if he cares for the birds the way that he does, how much more does he care for you? And then another verse later, he says, let's take this a little bit further. He says, see, there it is again. See the flowers of the field? 
Now he's not talking about the carefully manicured gardens around them. He's talking about the flower, he's talking about the weeds and the wildflowers. He says, see the flowers of the field. See, see how they do not toil or spin. And yet King Solomon in all of his splendor was, was not dressed like these. If that is how God clothes the grass, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You see, I think we tend to walk around life with blindfolds in our back pocket. And when we come up against something that, that seems like it's bigger than God, that causes us to question God's generosity to us, then we put it right back on our eyes. And Jesus says, don't worry. Don't live in that place. That if there's a gap in our understanding of how generous God is, it's because we let these blindfolds, the blindfold of worry, keep us from seeing God's generosity. So when we're inclined to worry and when we're inclined to take whatever we have, that our money when things are tight, our patience when circumstances are stressful, our grace when we feel offended or hurt by those around you, our time when it feels like everything and everyone is demanding it. Jesus says, look around you. Take off the blindfold of worry and just look around you and see all the ways that God is providing for the birds and the plants. And if he's doing it for them, how much more is he doing it for you? That if we open our eyes, that we will see the abundance abundant ways that God is caring for things that he values far less than he does you. The abundant ways. John, another follower of Jesus, later in the Bible in 1 John, no coincidence, similar language. He tells us, see, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You notice this theme here? That they're encouraging us to open our eyes and to see how good, how loving, how much God has lavished on you. Have you ever been lavished in something? Some friends of mine were celebrating their 15th anniversary and uh, they scrapped all their pennies. And they, they, got, they got a room, just the most basic room they could at the most posh hotel in town. And they, they left their kids behind with some friends. They got away for a weekend and they, they pull up in their minivan in front of this hotel at the, at the um, what do you call it, valet. <laughs> it's just humbling when you pull up to a valet in a minivan. <laughs> and the concierge comes out, concierge comes out and meets them and uh, is all dressed up, all nice and fancy and says, you know, well, we're glad you're here. Are you celebrating anything important? And they said, yes, it's actually our 15th anniversary. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. And he said, well, you're in luck. Every week we identify one set of guests and we make them our guests of honor and we've chosen you. So we have upgraded you to our most premier room. Anything that you could want is on the house. You have access to our most premier private floors and you get to experience this weekend as our guests of honor right here. They were lavished. I booked a room there for my anniversary later that year. <laughs> no lavishing. <laughs> That's the way God cares for us. That's what he does for us with his care and with his provision and with his generosity and his mercy and his goodness. He elevates us to the very top of what he has to offer. He gives us all of his forgiveness, all of his mercies. If we run out of them one day, the Psalms tell us they're new the next morning. That every good and perfect gift that God has given us comes directly from him. 
Everything good in our life has come from God, but we have to see it. So how do we do that? And I just want to give us a couple of, couple of takeaways, some ways that we can begin to practice this path, this path of generosity that God has blazed toward us. How do we walk it back to him? And the first, the first way is something that we've been talking about this entire time, is that generosity starts by seeing God's generosity to you. So let's not just talk about us, let's talk about you. Where can you look in your life to see God's generosity around you? Jesus says, look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. You don't have to look far, but where can you look? I've, I've been trying to cultivate this, this practice of, of, of seeing over the past few weeks as I've been preparing for this message. I've been trying to become more of a, a, more of a noticer of God's goodness and God's generosity. And one of the things I've started doing that I want to encourage you, if you're looking for, for a way to kind of practice this in the coming weeks, and we're going to talk about this more this week, this Wednesday afternoon, and are practicing the path. This is a, a weekly kind of, kind of lab where we get to take the things that we talk about here and talk about, okay, now how do we live this out? And if you can't be there Wednesday at noon for the FaceTime Live, we throw it up on our, our YouTube channel later. Great encouraging conversations of how we, can, how we can do this together. But one of the things I've been doing is something that some people call a daily examine, um, which is when you get to the end of your day and you just look back and you review all of the ways that God has intersected your day, that his blessings have showed up in your day. Because they're all around us. We just, we just we're moving too fast to be able to see them. And so maybe set an alarm on your calendar or, you know, set a meeting on your calendar. This is, this is my exam in time. This is the time that I get to look back on my day. And just to give you a glimpse of one of my days and some of the ways that God's goodness showed up, this is, this is from this past week. I got a text from a friend asking me how he could pray for me. I didn't think about anything about it in the time. In fact, I was probably dropping off kids at school when it showed up. But God put my name on someone else's heart. And they took the time to text me and say, I'm thinking about you. How can I pray for you today? Another thing, I, I had an unexpected hug from one of my kids. I accidentally ran a yellow light, ish, yellow-ish light. <laughs> and I didn't get pulled over. <laughs> I got to sit outside with my wife and have a, experience a cool breeze on a hot day. The couch that I'm sitting on as I write these things down is evidence enough of God's generosity. It's one of my daughters in their second week at a new school coming home and saying, Dad, I made a friend today. See, these aren't necessarily at the surface significant, sizable things, but they're the kind of things that God has been putting into my life. What would happen in your day if you got to the end of it and you said, God, help me see your generosity to me. Help me see the small ways that you've been generous to me. So first thing is see God's generosity to you. The second way that we can walk this path is just to remember that big gener generosity starts in small ways. I think sometimes we think about generosity and we just start to think about the, the sizable amounts of generosity that exist out there and how can I ever conquer Mount Everest like that? But just start in some small ways. Maybe it's taking one lunch off this week and saving those few bucks in order to have available for the next time someone around you is in need. Or just give them a gift card. Don't wait for the need to happen and just say, hey, I want you to have this. Maybe it's calling a friend who's struggling with loneliness in this season and just giving up some time for a conversation. A neighbor who needs some help with a project. 
What is it for you? Some small nudge that God may be putting on your heart or in your life that you can be generous with. Grabbing some food for Heartland's food pantry or giving up a Saturday morning to help us give it away. You see, earlier, I don't think it was an accident that God wanted us to talk about generosity on this particular day when we were celebrating, when we were celebrating Nick and Julie, having our founding pastor back visiting with us. Because I think we don't have to look far, Heartland, to see the generosity of God. In fact, one of the things, and some of you will, will know what this is right here. Some, well, I, th- I think all of you will know what this is, but some of you may wonder why I have it on stage with me. We love ironing boards around here. Uh, some of you are like, what's with the ironing board? 35 years ago? Ish? 35-ish years ago. Uh, this is where Max stood. Not this one. This came from my closet. Um, do we, I don't know, think we have the original one. I don't know. Um, this is where Max stood in the basement of a family and shared the dream about this church. This is when this church was the twinkle in his eye. And we dreamed about a church that could put God's love on display for those around us. See, it was someone's generosity. Talk about a small act of generosity. I don't have a lectern or a music stand, but I've got an ironing board. Can you use that? I look back and I think about the family that said, you know what, we don't have a church building, but we have a basement. And we believe churches aren't meant for buildings. They're meant to be families and communities. And it doesn't matter where it happens. In a cathedral with a steeple or an old furniture store or a basement or in a neighborhood pavilion in the park. The church is where you and I are. But they offered up what they had. They offered up their basement for those people to come together. I have been think about the generosity of the people who were upstairs that day, who were taking care of the kids so that the adults could be downstairs dreaming about what God could be up to in a church called Heartland. I think about the thousands of people, so many of you, who have given up time, who have given your passion, who have given money, who have written checks, who have shared their dreams, their dedication, their dependence, all of the forms that generosity takes, and you have offered them to God here so that there could be a building like this and staff and equipment, but more importantly, so there could be ministries where kids and students and the hurting in our community could be able to experience the love of God. That's why God calls us, invites us to be generous because they're the furthest out in our community who need an upfront seat to the generous love of God, Heartland. That's why you and I are here. That's why we need to see how generous God is to us is so that we can reflect it and put it on display and share it to all of those who are around us. Because in all of our lives, there are those who are close to us but far from God. And he has put you next to them. He has put us here so that they can see the love of God. And that was 35 years ago. This weekend, we've been meeting with our, with our elders, our board of directors, and there was one of them said, you know what, I believe God has not brought us this far just to take us this far. He's not done with us now. He's not done lavishing his generosity upon us. The question is, will we see it? And will we share it? Will we offer up the ironing boards that he's put in our lives for God to do something big? 
What could that look like for you? How can you practice that this week in your own life? You think back to those gaps that we talked about? Urgency, the gap of scarcity, the gap of merit, things that we kind of get held up by. I'm so thankful <laughs> that when we look at Jesus on the cross, there was no gap in God's generosity to us. That God did not get held up by something like scarcity. He had every right to. He had only one son. But it didn't hold him back from offering his son up for you and for me and for the people in our lives and in our world. He didn't get held up by the urgency. He didn't wonder, well, maybe, maybe there will be some, some other, maybe there's some better uses of my son. Do I really want to offer him up to them? He certainly didn't get held up by the gap of merit. He didn't wonder if you and I deserved this. But to him, we were worth it. And thank God he did, right? That's the generosity that we get to live from. We don't have to live in the gaps. We get to live in the generous love of God. And I pray, our whole team prays. I hope you're praying as well, that we could live from this place of gratitude for all God is and all he's done and that we could move out from that place of gratitude to reflect that generosity to those around us. Amen? Hey, let's pray that he would. Would you stand? Let me pray for us. Those of you online, pray along with us. Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent Jesus to reveal to us just how good and amazing and big and generous and caring and loving you are. That we don't have to question that, God. And so as we walk out of here and as we're tempted to put the blindfolds over our eyes, forgetting just how loving you are, God, would you help us to remember your son's word to us, to look around? That we don't have to worry because we can look around and see just how good you are. And the way that you are taking care of things around us and remembering that you have lavished your love upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Lord, thank you for what you've done at Heartland. Thank you for the ways that I've gotten to experience the generosity of Heartland. May we be a church, a family, a movement that is reflecting that generosity, sharing it with one another here, and especially for those who are not here, God. That we can be a, a picture of the abundant ways that, that you love this world, that we can reflect that imperfect as we are, God. Would you continue to be writing the story of Heartland and would you be using your love and your goodness and your provision to do so? And Jesus, it is in your mighty and powerful name I pray, amen. Hey everyone, thanks for being here this morning. Have a wonderful, blessed week. Hope to see you next weekend.